We established that God says no. That, that, that was last week's message and is pointing often to something better, though you may not know it at the time, but it is very, very important in the journey of no to, to appreciate the journey. Okay? And I never, ever, based on last week's content, I never want to give the impression that Nechamuami or the lessons learned there were bad. Um, in, in, they were in the moment, actually, as many of the no's in life are, but they taught us so many things. But, you know, there are, there are many, 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 many no's that you'll, that you'll hear in life. Some of you have heard a lot of no's about even being a part of this. Messianic Judaism. Some of you have heard that they're, they're a different kind of no than the ones God gives you. These are the no's that your friends, your family, your co-workers, people that, you know, they, they, they have your best interest at heart because they know what's good for you. And so they tell you, no, don't, don't do that. And, and the frustrating thing is a lot of times when you get those no's, it's to things that down deep inside you know are yeses. People are telling you no, but sometimes down deep, you know, God is saying yes. And, you know, those are difficult. But, but I, I want to be very, very clear. Human beings do a lot of very stupid things against the counsel of wise, well, smart, well-intentioned, well-meaning people who, if we listened to them when they gave us that counsel, we would avoid a lot of pain or mistake. There's, there's no, I don't ever want to give the impression that I'm, that, that you don't listen to people. The Bible tells us there's wisdom and counsel. The Bible says that, uh, you know, stand in the presence of the gray-headed, it says, it says in Deuteronomy. I'm starting to appreciate that more and more. But it's not just because they're old. It's because they have great wisdom and you can learn from them. So you show deference and you show respect. So I, I don't think for a second I'm discouraging listening even when people are telling you things that you don't want to hear. But I want to tell you a few no stories today, culminating in a very big, happy, gushing yes. And there are so many of these stories that I had to pick a couple. So if, I don't, if, if you're not one of these stories, it's okay. I still love you. I, didn't, I just didn't get around to telling yours. But I met this guy, Dave Hazen, and his wife 13 years ago. And uh, they were churchgoers. Uh, was that a Baptist church? Yes. Okay. So, but Melanie, they, they had both, but certainly it's always the woman. Melanie observed that something was missing, and she was working in the same place with Kelly and having some conversations about some Messianic Jewish things. And, you know, Dave was probably being Dave, getting along with everybody at the church and sort of still knowing, ugh, something's just not right. And so they were kind of open to looking. But Melanie got interested in this Messianic thing and talked to, to Kelly about it. Well, Dave knew some friends who went to the other Messianic synagogue in town and they had gotten really weird, he said, and he didn't want anything to do with that. But Melanie said, hey, let's go to a Shabbat dinner that they're having at this Messianic synagogue. And Dave was like, okay. So Dave came to the Shabbat dinner and he was, you know, he was Dave, but not really Dave. He was relatively quiet, if I recall, that he, he, he had a lot of questions. But I just talked to him this morning and he said, man, when I walked in, we had been looking for a place. When I walked in, I just felt it. And God said, yes. 
something Melanie, of course, already knew. But, you know, that's the way that works. But, but, but Dave's feeling, maybe we found this in this crazy Messianic Jewish space. He didn't expect it. And I can tell you, a number of other people didn't expect it. His friends, actually, who told him, Dave, you're crazy. Still to this day, he has good friends who tell him, a friend at least that I know of, who chides him for not eating pork and says he's crazy. And he is crazy. Dave is crazy as a loon, and he doesn't speak English very well. But, you know, what are you doing, man? You're not Jewish, putting yourself under the law? What's the matter? No, Dave. That was a long time ago. And I know he heard that counsel, but he and Melanie came alongside this community, the leadership. They became leadership. They made, made this place special. Recently, Dave told me, man, I'm so glad I listened because even today I love this place more than I did 13 years ago because I learn. I learn. And I, and I love God. And it's a good thing they didn't listen to the no's because we all benefit from that. So thank you, guys. It's also a good thing he listens to his wife. Men, men, take heed. In 2015, I wanted to do a weekly program for Shabbat services. Because certainly, certainly, if like everyone's not engaged, the solution is a printed weekly bulletin. That will fix everything, right? Let them know what's going on. But it had to be perfect, so I wanted this perfect image on it, and I found it online. Beautiful Shabbat candles, cursive Shabbat Shalom. It was so nice. And I said, we're going to put that on the front of this bulletin. But for some crazy reason, I felt like we should talk to the artist and ask permission. Who does that? How many presentations or things have you got online, found an image, put it in there and like, look at this beautiful image. Whoever thinks about asking correct permission for it. But for some reason, I did. No, this time I need to ask. Sure enough, the designer responded, probably in shock because someone had asked if they could use the image, but he was a nice guy and and he said, sure, you can use it. And hey, by the way, tell me a little bit about your place. And so we talked and we connected a little bit and he said, man, that's interesting. I've got a website. Uh, It's called Diggin' with Darren. It's about Messianic Judaism. And he was a Messianic Gentile from Conway, Arkansas. I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, not very far from Conway. And it was like, man, this guy really knows his stuff and he's halfway normal. (laughs) And we became friends. But long story short, I never expected what developed. Later, Darren and and Joe Good and and their family came down and did a prayer seminar and called. And this is all blurry now to me, but I'm pretty sure I got most of the details right. They called and said, hey, we want to come down and visit again. I said, okay, great, and talk about moving there with our family. Huh? I was like Forrest Gump. Huh? They want to go to school with us? Huh? Here? Macon, Georgia? You want to come to Macon, Georgia? You want to... You want to uproot the family that was born in Arkansas. You've lived there your entire life. You want to leave the generations of people before you who grew up in Arkansas. You want to leave your friends, your deep roots, your livelihood. You want to move here? And ultimately, the answer to that was yes. And the rest, they say, is history. As Darren and Sabrina and and Caleb and 
Boaz and Kai and Anya and Miriam all left everything behind in Arkansas and came down here. Why, though? Why? Why? They were Messianic Gentiles. They had relationships, good friends, like Eric and Tara Lemon in Conway, Arkansas, who are probably streaming with us now. Hi, Eric and Tara, and many other friends, and they had been influential. But why did they come here? Well, I think for them, and they would, they would probably support this answer, something was missing. A, a, a community, a synagogue community, but, but here's the point. They said yes, but I can guarantee you, and they didn't complain about it because they're not complainers, but I can guarantee you, somewhere along the line, someone said, I don't know, N no, don't do that. Don't leave everything. Don't, everything you have is here. Don't leave. No. Seems crazy. I call the Huckies our Lech Lecha family. You know the Torah portion where Abraham is told, get up, get out, take your stuff, go to the land, I'll show you. They did it. And they inspired others. Lance and Emery Slater moved from Arkansas. Same deal. Family. Been there a long time. Emery had at least. Don't, don't leave, don't leave. I'm happy to say that when those families, Emery's family and Lance's family, and, and, and that when they come, they come to Shalom Macon, but that was, that's a hard thing to leave everybody. And people tell you, no, don't do that. But inside the Huckies and the Slaters, outside of whatever knows they may have heard or felt inside, they said yes to something pretty bold and unknown. And their impact was and is here in this place very, very large. So Baruch Hashem, thank you for saying yes. What's the point? You got to know your nose. You got to know your nose. You got to really know where no is coming from. There's no magic formula. Sometimes you just got to take a step, man. Steps that, you know, for most of you, that's why you're here. You, something was missing or gosh, I got, this isn't, I'm not getting what I need. I'm going to take a step in a maybe unknown or strange direction. I told you last week about a name change. Nechamu Ami Messianic Synagogue. I told you about the name change. Shalom Macon, right? But before we became Nechamu Ami, I remember uh, Shalom Macon, Daniel Lancaster was here. Friend, colleague, great teacher, doing a seminar on Revelation. I was in the sound booth. He didn't know I was up there. He had the beautiful bulletin that I had made, right? He was looking at it with his daughter, and he's walking out there, and I'm right up there, so I hear him say it. Wow, this is a really nice logo. Too bad no one can understand what any of that means. <laughs> and I said, I, I got it. I get it. I get it. So, you know, we talked about a name change. But what does a name change really do? Absolutely nothing in the big scheme of things. What has to change is, is a change of, of mission, a change of vision and mission. And that was much more what was reflected. Because, you know, I want to tell you, speaking of Daniel Lancaster, we were at that place in, in, the, in the evolution of the synagogue of where we were thinking, we need to be this orthodox synagogue. We've got to be the orthodox synagogue in Macon, but we're going to put Jesus in it. It's going to be great, and everybody's going to come, and... We're going to be Beth Emanuel too. Beth Emanuel is up in Hudson, Wisconsin. It's, a, it's an Orthodox Messianic Jewish synagogue. And we had traveled and they're like, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the thing. 
And part, that's partially the reason ultimately that Darren and Sabrina probably came here is that we were moving in that direction of building that type of synagogue. And it was a lofty goal. But a few years into that, as some people were leaving and some people were complaining and some people were coming that I wish hadn't come, I mean, I think I'm hearing God say, ah, no. Again, again, saying no. Because there is a Beth Emanuel. There is a Beth Emanuel. It's in Hudson, Wisconsin. Daniel Lancaster is the pastor of Beth Emanuel Messianic Jewish Synagogue. It's an Orthodox Messianic Synagogue. It's a beautiful place with beautiful people doing beautiful things in beautiful ways. And they're their ways. They're their ways in the fact that that's the mission that God gave them. God gave these things to them to do. We're in Macon, Georgia. I kept hearing God say, and not literally, nothing. God never showed up and texted me or sent me an email. He never even called. You're in Macon, Georgia. Jews don't even know what Nahamuami means. Your people don't know what this means. And, and you need to back up and stop and think just a minute. And that's sort of what I talked about last, last week. So after 10 years... Ten years now, God, are we headed in the right direction? No. Ah, God, will you show us where to go? No. Yes. And finally, finally, there's the answer I'm looking for. Thank you, God, will you show us? Yes. And you ready for the answer? I'm going to give it to you right away. Damien, you ready? Big rabbi, change. Who likes to change? Who woke up this morning saying, what can I change about the comfortable things in my life? What radical new alteration to my life can I add today to confuse everyone around me and have them ask me questions about why you're doing this weird thing? I love change. And obviously it had worked very, very well up in the first 10 years. But again, God spoke through, not emails or texts, but through people. And I think that is God's very still, small voice. Friend named Jesse Hutcher, Boaz Michael, Matt Goddard, a lot of people I could add to that list. People I could trust. A diverse group of people who had led, who understood yeses and noes. Change. So we said, okay. And for those of you who don't know, the vision of Shalom Macon, it's very, very simple. Very simple. Love God, love people. That's lame. That didn't take any time to think up. You're right. I didn't have to think about it. You know why? Because Hashem says it. Our Messiah Yeshua says it. Micah says it. A whole lot of very, very religious dudes in this book, we believe, say it. Love God, love people. It's a great, great vision. But the mission of the community changed with a name change and a, and a thing. Share Yeshua with the Jewish world? Of course, always. Always. 
But listen, in Macon, Georgia, many of those Jewish people, and you've heard me say this before, but I'm recapping it for those who don't really know Shalom Macon and the vision. A lot of those Jewish people are sitting in church pews on a Sunday at a Baptist church because they walked away from Judaism about 20 years ago and don't have any use for it. That, to me, is still a mission of helping Jews connect. And that might and probably is a more appropriate mission for us. Jews living once again as Jews and sharing their experience and the joy that they found in the Jewish Messiah. And, of course, we're always ready to share, Yesh share Yeshua with a traditional Jewish person. But a big part of what we could do is to equip people to do that in the proper way. That is with an understanding of Judaism, of Jewish eschatology, of the kingdom, of the Jewish Jesus, of the Torah, of what the gospel actually is. Things that a lot of people are confused about, though they don't know it. So many things that are missing, and for goodness sakes, we could help Gentiles like Dave and Melanie, who were wandering, looking for a place to go. And many, many, many of you who are Gentiles who are like, man, something's missing. Why? And when I ask questions, no one gives me the answers. Or they dismiss me or they tell me, don't do that. They tell me, no, don't think like that. And to do that in a place where Gentiles could come comfortably with everything that you've learned up to this point, knowing something's missing, feel okay about struggling through a new way of understanding faith and salvation and future so that they find this thing that's missing and they're not getting all of their information from the infamous Rabbi Google and all of his seminary teachers who have every answer, right? Not. That was sarcasm. Not. <laughs> And in our process, listen, in our process, in that vision, they too become equipped for the first and important part of our vision. Help Jews understand who Yeshua really is. And in, listen to me, in many, many ways, Gentiles are much more successful in this. Much better positioned, much more equipped if you have that knowledge of talking to Jewish people because you're an enigma to Jewish people. What? Irvin, you're from Nicaragua. You follow the Torah and don't eat pork. What's the matter with you? I love the Jewish Messiah. I understand the Torah. What? You, you have a power to have these conversations with people. So a big part of our mission is to equip that. And that became obvious in this process. And so unapologetically, Shalom Macon became something different. And I want to just pause right here because I know I'll use Darren and Sabrina again as an example. That was a major detour from what we were on. And I appreciate Darren and Sabrina and everyone else in leadership and all those who are still here who said, all right, we'll go with you. We'll go with you again for another change. Our focus expanded to absolutely embrace our brothers and sisters in the church, the nations, and I'm all good with that. You know what? I think Paul would be pretty good with that. He was good at that. That was his thing, you know? I'm not saying we're Paul. I'm not saying I'm Paul. We're not saying anything like that. It's just that Ephesians 2 says, hey, Gentiles, a bunch of you were really far off. 
Come over here now in Jesus and learn. Acts 15 says, hey, what should I do? Gentiles are asking, what should I do? And it says, hey, I'll tell you what. Start with these four things and go to the synagogue and learn the rest. That became for us a very, very clear mission to do under the heading Shalom Macon because people can pronounce it. And to say, don't be Jewish. You don't have to look Jewish. You don't have to act Jewish. You can follow Paul's instruction for all of his communities in 1 Corinthians 7 that says, if you're circumcised, stay that way. If you're uncircumcised, stay that way. Come and learn the Torah. Come and learn the commandments. That's what he says. It's important. So that became a big part of our vision. I will never forget Andy Cecil. After a Hayasod class, Andy and Hannah had been in a lot of churches. They were looking for what's missing. Something's missing. Always something's missing. Do a Hayasod. I'll never forget this. Andy is a Gentile, by the way. After his first Hayasod class, he stood up one evening and he said, All my life, I've been taught to love Jesus. Now I'm learning to love my Father. And you see, that's a mission accomplished. That's something important. But when we made the change, some, some no's began to pop up. This is a long message, by the way. Do I still have your attention? Can I keep going? I told myself I'm going to stand behind the bema because that, the lectern because that will keep me from getting off my notes. I just can't do that. I cannot do it. So anyway, I'm going to... <laughs> some of the no's began to pop up. Some from inside the community, some from outside the community. You can't call yourself a messianic synagogue with that kind of focus. Messianic synagogues are for Jews. We were once called too Jewish, now we're not Jewish enough. You can't be serious. You're putting a cross in your logo at a messianic synagogue? You can't do that. I had given a message like eight years earlier about the cross. Don't ever show the cross to Jews. I remember Wesley Jones, where is he? Showing up in synagogue early on, wearing a big, huge cross on his shirt. My dad going up to him and saying, Wesley, don't wear that here. And now we're talking about putting a cross in the logo. So I got it. I understood why people would be saying, no, you can't do that. You're taking the easy way out. Jewish evangelism is where it is. And Jewish evangelism is hard. Getting Gentiles to come and learn about Torah, that's easy. Well... Several years had told me that that was not the case, but Shalom Macon? It doesn't even sound like a synagogue. There's Shalom, yeah, it's Hebrew, but come on. Where's the Beth in that? I mean, you got to have, who is this lady Beth? There's, I mean, <laughs> Beth Rachel, Beth Tikva, Beth Yeshua. I'm kidding. It means house in Hebrew, but Shalom Macon, you can't call a synagogue that. Now, get, don't get me wrong. We are a synagogue. 
You can come at 9 o'clock and you can experience a traditional Jewish shachrit service, some version of a Torah service. We're not an Orthodox synagogue, so we don't do all of it. You can join us for the high holidays. You're going to get a traditional experience through the holidays of going through the Moxor, hearing the shofar blown, shofar blown correctly. The shofar. <laughs> you can go down the hall into the Midrash and you can study Mishnah and Talmud and Rashi and Rambam along with all of the Messianic Jewish luminaries that have built our foundation who lived and died in synagogues. We're a synagogue. But we're going to be a different kind of one. A synagogue community that had an 11 o'clock service that was, well, churchy, church-friendly, approachable for our larger community without becoming a church who just says the Shema. Because there are a lot of Messianic synagogues that if you walk in, you'll think you're in an Assemblies of God church. And things are done very, very out of order. And that's not a criticism. It's just not helpful. So we're never going to become that, but we're going to be friendly. But you see, all of the teaching is going to stay very grounded in, in all of the things that I said are important, coming from a Jewish way of understanding, challenging dogma and entrenched belief, and hopefully letting people find this comfortable environment. No, you can't do that. You can't split services like that. You, you can't do that. No. You can't, be all things to, to, you can't be all things to all people, Cole. No. And all of a sudden I think, well, I think you can in some way. Paul did. He said he did. Right? He said, and that didn't mean he had ham sandwiches with his Greek friends. <laughs> that means that whatever his audience, he was trying to meet them where they were. Paul was good at it. I think, I think you can do that. And, and Paul was saying that to Jews and to a lot of Gentiles. So in February 2020, we were all positioned to change the city of Macon. I mean, man, even had Macon in our name now. Surely all the, all the, all the locals would go crazy for our idea. <laughs> February, February 2020, we're ready to launch it, baby. March, boom, shut it down. COVID. Boom. Down. God, you cannot be serious. No. And you got a choice when you hear no, and you're trying to know your no and figure out where it's coming from. You got a choice. Sometimes, like I said, it's not easy. You can just say, oh, well, oh, just another no from God. Must have really missed that shalom making message. What, what, what can we learn? I'm back up. Let me, let me reevaluate this thing, see what's next. Gosh, this sounded really good. And as you've heard over the last two weeks, I certainly had felt that before. But this feeling was different. The feeling where you just know is, you just know no is not the answer. No is not the choice you make. When you know your no's and you dig into finding your yes, then the thing you do in that situation is you zoom right into yes which is what we did in March. And we sat up, I sat up here with an iPhone on one of those chairs and a guitar and a teaching and an empty room, but our smiling local community was on the other end of a Zoom. So we Zoomed right into it. 
And something amazing happened because Keith and Dina Price, hey Keith and Dina from Bakersfield, California, showed up in that Zoom room. I had invited them randomly, talking to them about something else randomly. They pop into the Zoom room for that, that Shabbat service during COVID. And they, they joined our effort to say yes and keep on trucking. And, you know, they didn't have a Messianic community, or at least probably a normal one. Well, they're in California, so there's nothing normal, right? <laughs> I'm kidding, Californians. We love California. Really nice people. But anyway, and, and then, then what happened? Darren, pull this picture up for me. Then what happened? Another couple joined into the Zoom. I had had a conversation with Therese via email many, many months before. And she and her husband, Henning, who was not, he, he was with her, but he needed some prodding. Right, Henning? No, just kidding. We got on it. We had a Zoom call, but Therese had written this email. We're, we're confused. We, we, we know there's something missing, and we're getting some of that from the teachings we're hearing here, but gosh, what do we do? They showed up in the Zoom from Norway, and it was incredible. By the way, this is Ike, not I-K-E like Ike Eisenhower. This is Ike, E-I-K, which I think in Norwegian means oak. This is like strong, it also may mean laughter from Isaac, I'm not sure, I'm not in their family, but this is their new baby, August 8th. Let me see that other picture of, of Ike live streaming. <laughs> so, listen, we're, we're, we're pumping babies out in this place like nobody's business. Even in Norway, the shalom-making baby machine is happening, buddy. But this is, this is Ike. And so... They showed up, and it turns out that there were some yeses and some noes, because here's the funny thing. We've got shalom making. We're ready to go. Let's transform the community. We opened it back up, like, pretty quickly, April, May, maybe. I don't remember. Do you want to know something? All of Macon was not waiting at the door to come in here and sit in these seats. It was shocking. I couldn't believe that the name change had not convinced everyone to come and be a part of it. Gosh, it was surprising. It wasn't surprising. That too was sarcasm. Darren and I tried to make a live stream work. It kind of did. But all of a sudden, these people that had come earlier from Alaska, well, the, the girls from Alaska, I don't know, Blake's from Georgia, but they were in California, and they roll into Macon, like in when? November 2019 or something? When did you get? October. They, they came to the synagogue. I remember Greta, guess what? Always starts with the woman. Greta saying, I got a lot of questions for you. And Blake was sort of like along for the ride. But, you know, all of a sudden, here in this COVID thing with all this going on, this guy, two master's degrees from Georgia Tech, says, I'll man the live stream. Look at it. I mean, it's like flying... It's like flying the space shuttle back there. And so randomly here, Greta, thank you for allowing Blake to spend so much time doing what he does to make this. <laughs> we were connecting with people now everywhere but Macon. <laughs> Shalom Macon. Macon. 
<laughs> Norway. We still had our small little, lo- it was a pretty small little local community. But other stuff was happening. And man, it was exciting. And, and all of a sudden, Macon had, had expanded out pretty far. We had spent all this time thinking through this name, and the vision became clearer. Really, several years earlier, I had taught a class at a local university because my mom forced, I mean, encouraged me to to do it. And I said no, and my mom said yes, and I'm a good Jewish boy, so I showed up and did it. And there, unbeknownst to me, was Linda Plowden as one of the students there, and she said, I'm an Episcopalian, and I got a lot of questions. Actually, I'm not. I, I go to an Episcopal church. I've been to a lot of churches, but... I'm interested in what this is, what this is, this Jewish Jesus thing. Something's missing. And that was how many years ago? She's still here. Hadn't run the Episcopalian off yet. She's actually serving and has been a very, very foundational part of our being our treasurer and our finances and getting a lot of all this stuff done. Linda actually helped us build a bigger dream for what we could do here. That was random. Nothing's random. Nothing's random. And, you know, the mission became clear. More and more people from other places tuned in, people who fit that vision and mission. They knew something was missing. They needed a like-minded believer to learn with, and even if it was online. And this, this is what Shalom Macon, Shalom Macon has now become. Because you can see the little, nice little logo there, and it's a Google map, and there's, there's Macon, and you know, you, you gotta, this is by zip code, so this isn't everyone, but this is Shalom Macon, expanding out to all these different places, because really the truth is, God was saying yes with Not to our uh, approach to attract logos with our cross and the Star of David logo. There are a lot more people. Those are the ones who give to the synagogue. So we actually have their zip code. You look at that in Japan and someone was on from Indonesia and Zimbabwe. And I mean, pretty amazing. And one thing we know is this. Our world of Messianic Gentiles something's missing, seekers is a lonely one. And we, re- we really want to fix that as much as we can. Shalom Macon got even better when a family from Canton, Georgia stumbled across a clip of FFOZ and I mentioned Macon, Georgia in it. Macon is important somehow. <laughs> but they looked it up, drove down, have been here ever since. Of course, it was the woman who was searching. Her husband was stubborn. Just kidding. They were on a mission and a journey. Kristen Luckberg and Kristen and her fan, and Kristen Cody and the kids drove down from Canton, Georgia, and they said, "Gosh, we wish we could be there more. We're going to figure out a way to like get other people to be able to connect." And so Kristen found, researched, developed Shalom at Home for everyone to be able to participate, no matter where you are. And I know it's not being in person, and I know there's something nice about being here. It's nice to be with all of you, and all this stuff that I'm saying. I mean, you guys are the, you, you guys are, I get to shake your hand and give you hugs every week. And that's a really, really, really important part. I'm not minimizing in any way what we've done locally, what God has done locally. 
I'm amazed at what God has done bigger than locally for Shalom Macon. And you're all a part of that. So, you know, there are a lot of people in this world who know something's missing. They don't know where to find it. That's the Dave and Melanie's, or have found it a long time ago, but may not have a place to go. No community, really. That's the, the, the Darren and Sabrina's and everyone in here on some level. Who would have imagined this? I never would have imagined this. Never. And, and the, I don't care about numbers. I'm not trying to build a mega church. There's no such thing as a mega messianic synagogue, so we have no fear of that ever happening. There's no such thing. But God has said yes to a lot. And the truth is, I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm Jewish. I mean, I'm not supposed to believe in Jesus. That's what they told me all my life. You're not supposed to be here. You're Gentiles. You're not supposed to be doing this. This is sarcasm. These online people, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be sitting in a pew or doing something. I mean, online? And unbelievably, here we all are. And in the midst is God with us doing something great. And that's cool. Really cool. Right? I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you for your patience. The mission. I told you what Andy said about learning to love the Father. That was a real confirmation. I got a beautiful message from uh, Didi, who is my FFOZ friend, my shalom-making friend, a Jewish lady, grew up in church, now tunes in online, said she's learning so much. Guess what? That's part of the mission too, you see? Like I told you, those Jewish people who walked away from their Judaism and are coming back and saying, oh my gosh, I love this, I'm learning. Didi. That's a mission accomplished. But she said something funny in that. She said, and now you'll understand why I keep saying this. She said, sometimes I'm confused by Damien's sarcasm. <laughs> like when he said, Jesus came to start a new religion. And I'm like, he did. And then he says, no, he didn't come to start a new. So I'm kind of confused by that. But I get it. She said, but I do know people who won't listen to him because of it. And, and I appreciated that. And the truth is, you know, anytime you hear things like that, it stings a little bit. But guess what? I'm not for everyone. My wife doesn't like me sometimes. Okay? Anyone who really grew up and knows me could tell you, I love him, but don't always like him. So first of all, I want to say thank you for letting me, for giving me the honor to speak into your lives. It is truly an honor. Shalom making, though, is not for everyone, but it is for you. Darren, show that map one more time. Not the, not the video, but just, just that picture. I mean, man, it's not for everyone, but it's for anyone who needs a family of learning, a community to support you. And yes, it would be great if everyone had an amazing community in your city, but, but until Messianic Jewish synagogues full of Jews and Gentiles are the norm in every city in the world, we're going to keep doing it. And we're going to keep being, what we'll be here, God willing, and, and you can be here whenever you want, whether you're coming in from Macon or Canton or Zimbabwe or Norway, wherever you want. 
These doors are open. This is your synagogue. And I will never forget when we set up those RV hookups, uh, uh, retired military Air Force guy called Don and Penny Miller from Medina, New York. Way up there, Medina, New York City. This is Macon. I said, we're driving down. I can't really imitate Don's New York accent very well. He said, we're coming down, man. We want to. We want to come down, and, and they were the first of first people who drove down from Medina, New York, and hooked up to that RV, the first of many people that have done it since then. Mind-blowing. Shavuot, this, this year was about, what, 180 people, but they were from all those places. They converged upon Macon, Georgia, and it was amazing. It was life-changing. It was the biggest yes I have heard God give in my ministry career. And for those who were here, you know it was special. For those who weren't, we'll do it again, God willing. We'll continue to provide a home for the homeless. You know, and maybe, maybe we'll eventually build the fellowship hall with a real kitchen and put some cab- cabins out there on the 26 acres. I'm still waiting on God to stop telling me no on what we can do out there. But that would be something nice for people to come. These doors are open whenever you can be here, from wherever you can be here. But our hearts are the thing that are especially open. My heart, Kelly's heart, the leadership, everybody. We're here to serve you and to help you know God and to love God and love people. And people say, well, man, that that mission stinks. What about saving souls? Well, I honestly believe if I teach you to love God and love people, you'll be much better at saving souls than if I take you down the Romans road. So we're making disciples. And in the third year of Shalom Macon, or 13 years of Nechamu Ami, of this place's existence, we're going to love God, love people with God's help. We're going to teach others to do the same thing. That's our task. That's our commission. And it's a great one. You get it? So happy birthday to Shalom Macon. And I want to thank each and every single one of you. Every one of you, wherever you are, who make this place what it miraculously is and will be. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.